Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 461, Integration of Psychology and Christianity. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hi, this is Unit 2. Today we're going to be talking about Part 2 of Christian Worldview. And so we're going to talk about the impact of sin. We're going to talk about a work in progress, sanctification, glorification, and review some relevant scriptures. Actually, one of the things we're going to start with first, and we're going to jump right into that. So Genesis 3 is such a foundational passage when we start to understand how his sin impacted man. And so we want to start by just kind of examining that story a little bit. It's a story that if you've grown up in church, you've heard your whole life. Um, Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God said not to eat. And we see how Satan planted seeds of doubt. Did God really say how he's manipulating and twisting God's word? It leads to this mistrusting God. And its result is a mistrusting God's goodness. Because now it seems like God's withholding something from them. In other words, how God created them and what he gave them wasn't good enough anymore. And so after they eat the fruit, their eyes are open. And the moment they eat the fruit and their eyes are opened, the first thing they do is hide. Everything's changed. It's the first time they've experienced fear, shame. It's the first time they felt like they needed to hide from God. And so we see how the relationship has now been damaged. We talked about last unit, how we're creating the image of God, and part of that image of God is that ability to have a relationship with God. And now the relationship's damaged. And what we see is Adam and Eve blaming each other. They're no longer comfortable being naked in front of each other. And we see God's first question of, where are you? And this is an interesting question because God doesn't need to know where they are. Remember, he's all-knowing. He's asking this because he's trying to help them locate where they are, spiritually speaking. And what we see is that even in our fallen state, God comes to us and starts his healing where we are. And that's from a book by um, Dr. Jones. And these these books that I'm citing right now are at the end of this um, PowerPoint. And you can look those up. But what we see, again, worldview has to start with God and who he is. And even when we look at sin, we see a God who comes to us. He knew Adam and Eve had sinned, but he came to us and began his healing there. And so what did sin do? Well, we know that it separated us from God. Romans 5.12 tells us just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. But we know that God offers salvation. It's a free gift. Romans 5.15. It's a free gift. It's not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And so we see how we have salvation through Jesus. 
So when we start looking at, again, worldview, we've got to consider the nature of God, even when we're talking about how sin has impacted man. Now, when we look at the image of God, the image of God isn't completely lost, but we do see how sin has distorted that image. So we have this concept of what's called total depravity. It just means that sin has impacted every part of who we are. It doesn't mean, Riken states, it doesn't mean that we're as sinful as we possibly could be, that we're sinners through and through. The best example I can give you is if you imagine a pitcher of water, and if I were to put some just food dye into that water, the dye doesn't stay localized into one little part of the water. At some point, it spreads until every last ounce of water is colored by that food coloring. And that's what sin does. It impacts every part of who we are. And so it distorts that image. And it changes our desires, it changes our feelings, it changes what we want to do. And the worst part is we can't save ourselves. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 tells us there's no one who is good. Um, And so nature and science can teach us some things about God, but only scripture can inform us about salvation. And this is important to consider when we're looking at worldview. And so Riken states, although Jesus himself was never a sinner, he nevertheless endured the sufferings and sorrows of life in the fallen world, including weakness, pain, grief, cruelty, persecution, abuse, torture, and finally death. Thus we have a God who fully understands what it's like for us to endure all the troubles and tribulations of our present existence in a world that is marred by sin. And this is really important. This is something that I tell my clients when I've done clinical work, when they come in for grief or when they come in for trauma. We have a God who gets it, not because he's all-knowing, although he does, because he's all-knowing. We get it because, God gets it because Jesus was fully human and fully God. And he experienced the same things we experience. And so Jesus knows what it's like to lose. And he knows what it's like to die, to be persecuted, to be tortured. He knows what it's like to grieve. And so we have a God who gets it because he's experienced it. So from a psychology and counseling perspective, this is a huge deal. God gets our pain because he's experienced it. And this is the God that we get to point our clients back to. When we're talking about the impact of sin, again, we want to point people back to the nature of God and who he is. And he's the God who came down to Adam and Eve, who said, where are you? And began his healing. He gave them clothing. He said, you will surely die. And they did eventually die. God didn't lie about that. But he didn't strike them dead then. He gave them clothing. And he had to kick them out of the garden to protect them from eating from the tree of life when they were in a fallen state. Because God now had to do his redemptive plan through Jesus. So, because of that, now we get into chapter 5, a work in progress. We can't earn our salvation. It's by faith alone. Our good works come through our faith in Christ. But our good works don't save us. We can't earn our salvation. Um, As we're united to Christ, we find God's solution for all the problems of our sin. And this is where 
people typically um, start to have issues with integration. And you'll see what I mean in just a second. People tend to disagree, tend to disagree on how to integrate, and they tend to disagree on whether to integrate. So we have five main views in your, um, the Eric Johnson book will talk about these five views. The Hathaway Yarnhouse book will not. Um, they're just going to talk about a general integrative approach. But your five main views of integration are biblical counseling, the transformational view, Christian psychology, integration view, and levels of explanation. And so with biblical counseling, it's typically referring to relying on the Bible alone or mostly alone for developing a psychology of man. Um, we see how they see how scripture is addressing some of the deepest needs of man and how if we want to really heal a person, we need to point them back to the God who heals. <clears throat> they would say that because of the worldviews that psychology is coming from, we can't rely on those methodologies because the inherent worldviews are faulty. Transformational psychology focuses on spiritual formation and transformation. It is, if there's ever a model, you're going to read it and be left going, huh, it's this one. So just know it's focusing on spiritual formation of the counselor or the psychologist and then that person working through the power of the Holy Spirit to then help their clients. So the transformational view is really looking at the spiritual formation of the client and of the um, practitioner. Christian psychology is actually looking to do original psychological research by Christians. They're trying to find con concepts and constructs in the Bible to research and following empirical scientific research methodologies, doing original scientific Christian research. Integration attempts to utilize both modern scientific research and Christian theology and then blending the two. They would not necessarily be opposed to Christian psychology. In fact, they would probably embrace that, but they're more likely to also embrace more modern scientific research. And then finally, you have levels of explanation. And it's a view that basically states different fields are addressing different questions. And so psychology is addressing one level and theology is addressing a different level. And we'll talk more about these in future units. I just want to kind of give you a brief introduction and overview right now. So on one end of the spectrum, we have believers who feel that scripture is sufficient for understanding humanity and addressing the deepest needs. And at the other end, you have people that don't deny that scripture has something to say, but that it doesn't address everything. And so we have biblical counseling on one end and you have integration and levels of explanation on the other. And this is why we go back two slides. When I say people disagree on how to integrate, on whether to integrate because um, biblical counseling and levels of explanation don't even feel like we should integrate at all. And so 
when we are looking at these different models of integration, it's going to be important for us to really consider your worldview, which is why we're talking about this. What role does scripture play? What role um, does the Bible have in formulating a full psychology of man and addressing every psychological problem? How much should we then rely on science? Should we rely on science at all? Or should we be doing original research? Again, all this gets back to worldview. So this is not just for, this is not just to live for salvation. Our, we're supposed to live to glorify God. We're supposed to reflect God's image. And we are supposed to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. And this includes in the integration. I like this quote. Um, it's quoted on page 83, but John Calvin states that Christians can still use truth that comes from an unbeliever since all truth belongs to God. Kind of um, re reiterating um, that point of all truth is God's truth. And so art, science, and academics belong under God's common grace. And we see God's grace in every culture. And so what we're trying to do is find God's truth and test that to make sure that we understand it. We want to understand God's world, wherever that is. So we also have to understand the active role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is what we call sanctification. It's just your big word for becoming more and more like Christ, becoming more holy. <clears throat> it's God's active working in our lives to make us more like him. And so the Holy Spirit has been actively working in our clients' lives. So from a worldview perspective, if we see, if we believe that God is the creator of everything, and we believe that he's intimately involved in every last detail, then we also have to believe that the Holy Spirit has been working in that person's life to bring them into our counseling office. And it's true. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients who had put off and put off and put off going to see counsel, a counselor for years. They've lived with depression. They've lived with anxiety. They live with grief that they just couldn't move past. But then finally they could. And it was at that perfect moment. And I, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit just was chipping away at them. It was working slowly, getting them ready to come into my office so that then I could begin working with them from a Christian perspective. It's also important to see that we need God throughout the process of helping, not just getting our clients in, but in the session after our clients leave. And we have to remember that only God changes people. Counselors don't earn, we're not the changers. God is the changer. God uses us to help change people, but any change that happens is because of God. Now, in chapter 6, it starts talking about glorification. It's talking about paradise consummate is the name of that chapter. Where we're living in this already and not yet is how Riken describes it. And what this means is that if you are a believer, we are saved, but we still have that sin nature. We're not yet fully how God wants us to be. Fully how God intended it for us to be. Is that glorification that happens once we die and we are in the presence of God. And so what does this have to do with us professionally? 
If we're in Christ, then we have the Holy Spirit actively working in, in us for each client we see and other work we do within the field of psychology. Sometimes God grows us personally to use us professionally. There's been so many times in my career where God has been working in some aspect of my life that also in turn helped grow me professionally. And it's helped me as I have worked with clients. It has helped my clients become more connected with God and understand his truths more as I have grown personally. Because one, I get better at my job, but two, I'm better able to do the things God's called me to do because I'm more like him because the Holy Spirit's been working in my life. So we know at some point Jesus is going to come back. We don't know when that is. And this is not the class to talk about all the different views of that. But what we do know is it gives our work purpose. We're not just doing this so people will do good things. We're doing this because one day Jesus is going to come back. And all the depression, all the anxiety, the schizophrenia, all the mental health disorders are going to be healed. We're not going to cry anymore. We're not going to be hungry or thirsty anymore. Everything's going to be the way God wanted it to be. And so our work has purpose now. And this is the really big important point to get with glorification is that our personal professional growth is is needed to glorify God because now our actions have eternal significance. Now it's not just for us, but we're doing it for our clients who may also need that. And so God is always working towards redemption and he uses us sometimes as vessels to bring about that change. So we know everything's going to be healed when God returns. Um, but we also know community is going to continue to exist. Um, so we're trying to advance God's kingdom by healing hurting people. We want to point, point people back to Christ who is the healer. So just remember, science doesn't lead us to salvation. It just helps us understand God's creation more, how it works, and to some degree, how it's broken. And so, just a quick recap. We talked about some of the biblical foundations from Genesis 3 to show how sins impacted the world. Remember, we talked about how God came down to man after the fall of man, after they ate the fruit and began his healing process and then started Jesus' redemption story. We talked about the impact of total depravity and how that's impacted man and what that means for psychology. We have discussed how Jesus' work on the cross is the only way for salvation, is the only way for true healing of our sin. We also did a brief overview of the five models of integration. Again, we're going to talk about those models over the next five units and get more specific with them and get a little bit more of an overview with them. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We talked about how his importance is um, vital for the practice of psychology from a Christian perspective, no matter what view of integration that you come to. And we reviewed how God 
is making all things new. He is in, he is trying to redeem his people. So what's next? Make sure you're reading. Please read the books. I cannot possibly cover everything in these lectures. It's so important that you keep up with your reading. Make sure that you're um, completing your writing assignments. You've got your first worldview paper and your second worldview paper. And I know it's a lot, but I believe in you. I know you can do it. Make sure you do the discussion questions this week. There is no quiz, so that's good. That should help you focus more on your worldview paper. Again, if you have any questions, make sure you talk with your professor, stay engaged, stay active, and stay on schedule, and you'll find a lot of success. Thanks.